Today I had the absolute pleasure of chatting with Jane Urbacker, owner of Project Row and Ski. Jane started uh, from very humble beginnings as a personal trainer to owning a gym and then traveling the world with her business Project Row and Ski. She is an ambassador for Lululemon. She is now a lawyer as well. And we chat everything today from business ownership to um, personal training, what you should get out of your sessions, how you should feel when you leave sessions, to forming relationships and also to um, how how Jane navigated COVID-19 and the restrictions that that put on her business where she was travelling the world. So I will let Jane do the rest of the introductions and if you like this episode, please like and subscribe and um, there will be more inspirational females that we will be chatting to in the future. So enjoy and we will catch you on the next episode. I'm going to start recording too. Just All right. So, welcome, Jane. Thanks for jumping on board today. I'm really, really, really happy that you are here. And, um, yeah, thanks for replying to my message on Instagram and just saying, yes, you will do this. Ah. Um, so, I'm sorry. I'm late. <laughs> no, 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 you're fine. Um, so, I have been following you for quite a while now after we met at a CrossFit competition where we actually competed against each other. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit, for, for anyone who doesn't know who you are, tell us a little bit about you, your journey, where you've been, where you're heading maybe, um, or maybe we can get to that later. But, yeah, you've, you've got a very diverse background. You are an ambassador for Lululemon. You've been a trainer business owner, you've tra- been travelling the world um, and now you're a lawyer or are you not quite? You are. Um, I am qualified but I'm not practising. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, tell us your story. Tell us a little bit about you. Thank you. Okay, so um, I was born in 1984 and I'm joking, I won't give you the <laughs> entire background. Well, I said my first word no joking um I um I think what's really relevant is I definitely went through high school um as a a really sporty teenager like I was just like couldn't get enough of being active and then when I hit about 16 17 and my body started to change I didn't like it um and this was you know late 90s early 2000s where like hipster jeans were super in fashion and I didn't have a really skinny body shape I had a pretty I've always been built pretty athletically and um, in a strong um, in more of a strong frame than a, a kind of skinny frame. And I was determined to fit into like this fashion that was of the time, um, which meant changing the way that I was. It meant like, you know, trying to be something and conform to something that I wasn't. And um, I really struggled probably for a good 10 years from like 16 to 17 to about 26, 27 of trying to be something I wasn't. Um, And I think it's pretty common that you find people that have ended up in fitness or nutrition have definitely struggled with some sort of disordered eating or um, body dysmorphia or something. Um, And I definitely found my way into fitness um, through a door that I don't think came from a place of trying to build confidence, but more a place of trying to change what I actually was. 
Um, so I realized pretty quickly that um, I absolutely had a passion for it though. So having, feeling the struggle I felt around my own body and confidence enabled me to connect really well with other people that felt the same. And so um, I finished school and thought um, that this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to work with people in health and fitness and um, started out as an aerobics instructor as an 18 year old. And um, it was funny because I also applied for uni to get into law and I'd missed out. And I, instead of going and doing what I got into, which was arts, I deferred for a few years, started my own personal training business and really went headfirst into um, health and fitness in the training world, um, which in the early 2000s was not what it looks like now. And I think it's where... Was it step aerobics? Was it step aerobics? I taught body attack and body pump and also a bit of high low. So yeah, I did. I was like full Jane Fonda. Um, I love telling people I was named after Jane Fonda and people are like, really? And I'm like, no. Like... <laughs> But yeah, it was, you know, See, it was, I used to love the step aerobics and body combat was one of my favorites. How good was first... body combat. So yeah. body combat was probably what got me into fitness. I used to go to classes and participate and just loved it. But it's so interesting meeting these like 21 year olds now who the fitness industry that we have now is all they've ever known. And I can't believe that like, 21 year olds can have a full-time career in the fitness industry now whereas yeah and I did that thing the other day you know that thing when you really know you've reached a certain age when you're like we did the hard work for you <laughs> like, <laughs> like you didn't know this we the pioneers yeah pioneers, like, completely. And, um, and then I was like oh my god I'm like such a grandma now um but yeah it was it, my early 20s was a really interesting time because I was kind of battling the the disappointment I felt that I wasn't pursuing what I thought should have been my career which was law um and what I was really passionate about which is helping people like it's helping people and changing yeah. life through training and like I've always believed um and I'm a lot more articulate with it now than probably back then but I've always believed so wholly in the transferability of training like I just I know what it does to change your entire world to feel proud of yourself in a training environment yeah. and um i knew that from that age and as i got older i was able to articulate and understand that a lot better and so that kind of has become my core um, but in my early 20s i decided to go to uni and do arts health sciences so i kind of you know changed paths a little bit from the law thing did arts health sciences actually loved it i'm such a geek i love studying like i find it really um, really interesting to read and stuff. Um, and I'm then, with you. yeah, like, <laughs> I love studying. Love you know, I can't get enough of learning and, and getting better. Like, I just I could never be one of those people that's the same today as I was last week. Like, I always know something different or have done something different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I finished that degree and was again, I found myself at this crossroads. Um, I applied to get into law and I also had the opportunity to open a gym with my best friend. Yeah. So, so at this year. stage, you, you knew that you wanted to help people, but you were still sort of going for that law path because you felt yeah. like that's what you should do. Yeah. And I yeah. also felt like um, I have a real, like I have a real passion for human rights. And I, um, this is actually quite funny, in 2000, and I, I'd always had a passion for human rights. My oldest brother died from a heroin overdose. 
And so um, it's interesting because my brother, my sister and I have all gone down the same path, which is the like, we've all wanted to work in policy change for drugs and um, decriminalization of drugs. So all three of us kind of went the same path. We, they, they both did arts and then law and um, now work in an area um, impacting that. And I knew I wanted to do something similar. So our, our personal circumstance absolutely affected um, the, the path that we all chose. But it's interesting, I remember a personal training client of mine would have been over 10 years ago now. She said to me, she was like, um, Jane, you know that the way that you impact my life, I might not be, you know, a drug addict who needs um, help like that or a refugee that needs help. But like every day my life is better because of the impact you have on it. She's like, so don't underestimate the change that you can have just in a daily interaction. And 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 in, because I guess you see fitness, there's a part of me that goes, oh, fitness is so the whipped cream. It's for people who can access it. What about the people who can't access it? And then it's like, well, every life is equal. So it's like, if you can affect change, it doesn't matter where that person's come from. If their life is better because of the interaction you've had with them, then why would you take that away? Um, so yeah. I think I had this real idealism that, was unless I'm helping the most disadvantaged, the impact I'm having yeah, isn't. Yeah. yeah. So that's where the passion for law came. It was more from a policy perspective rather than a private practice perspective. Like I think um, I still would love to do something in advocacy. My real passion um, is two areas. It's like it's drug rehabilitation and it's, um, it's about having a, a different pathway than crime. Like if, you know, if somebody is found with drugs on them rather than putting them through the justice system, like having access to rehabilitation services is kind of what I'm really interested in. Yeah. So um, it made sense to me to do law. And then um, as I've gone on, like I finished my law degree last year, which took me 16 years. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so deadpan sometimes that people believe me, Um, but it was seven years, which is a really long time. Like they should have given me long service leave for my degree. (laughs) (laughs) You would have been accruing it, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I would have, but I did did definitely, like I, I did definitely get to a point I have this thing that once I've started something, I have to see it through, um, which is a really great asset and also like quite to my detriment when it's something that's really like taking a lot of time up. Um, is that kind of, are you someone who, are, are you kind of saying in that respect, you don't know when to give up? I don't know when to give up and I'm really happy to change the method of completion. I'm okay with that, but no, I don't know when to give up. You know, the gambler, that song, you got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them. Um, You've got to know when to walk away. Like I'm definitely the person that I have to keep repeating that in my head to know when to walk away um, because I'll just keep trying and that's not always the solution. But also having that ability to go, you know what, I have committed to this and I want to see it through, but that path is not going to look exactly how I had planned it out at the start. I feel like that's a real asset as well because a lot of us do get caught up in the, oh, that's the path I'm going to take and, well, if it doesn't look like that, well, I'm not going to do it at all. And that happens a lot in the, like, with your fitness, you know, if people are going, oh, I can't make three sessions a week, so I'll just won't do any this week at all. You know, like, it's um, having that ability to be flexible in that respect, I think, is really a huge asset to have. Yeah. Well, thank you. You've just made me feel a lot better about the last 25 years of my life. So, um... (laughs) 
but it but you're actually right and I think that it's been really interesting discussing with people over the years that I'm studying law part-time and people have really looked at me and gone but why like if you don't actually have a passion for ever being a lawyer why are you doing it and I'm like you know, like it's that geek mentality that we have, which is all learning is good learning. Um, yeah. But it's it's the flexibility and knowing at the end of this, like I genuinely never want to practice privately. I just don't. Like it's it's not my passion. It's not the lifestyle I want to have. You but, don't strike me as someone who would drive around in a Lamborghini and be splashing no. cash everywhere anyway, Jane. I'm sorry, but like I'm dressed up today. Like... <laughs> <laughs> So I just don't know how I'd go. Like I had to do some volunteer placement as the last part of my um, course. And I was in a law firm for three weeks. And I tell you what, like it changed my understanding of people who have full-time jobs coming in training. Yeah. Because I am, you know, training is priority to me. And it's like, I do fit other things around it. Like it is a real, like that fits into my schedule no matter what. And I was like, oh my God, it doesn't fit into my schedule. Like what am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> and so I started getting really like creative and strategic like I'd wear tights like leggings with boots and like a sports bra under whatever else I was wearing so I could go running at lunchtime and I was like <laughs> I was so that hardcore person that was like sneakers on with like my dress and I was like I don't care like I've got to do it you go a bit crazy you do sitting in front of a desk or even at a desk, even if it's not at a screen, I think you can just get very, very, I can, having come from that background myself, I can, I can certainly understand why people lose enthusiasm to, to exercise. Very Definitely. easy to do. I haven't even answered the question as well. I'm sorry. Um, what I've been doing with my life. <laughs> I am. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh ha ha I'm gonna start back at when I was born and then like next minute I'm actually telling you about my life when I was 17 so um I um I did I did open a gym the same year that I started law and that was an unbelievable like talk about being just thrown into the deep end like I had no understanding of how to run a business whatsoever and I thought I had no interest in it I was um like really it was one of those things where um, you know, I was like, oh, I'm just not good at business. So I just won't try any harder. And really, I just had a real discomfort at the fact that um, I'd never had bothered to upskill in that area and um, owned it for nearly three years uh, with a couple of others. And I just like, I think all the time at what an incredible investment that was of my time to like upskill like at, at the time I thought oh I'm not good at this this isn't what I want to be doing blah 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 and couldn't at the time couldn't see past it really but now in retrospect I'm just so grateful for that experience because it was hard and it was yeah. I just you have to learn on the fly and I'm yeah I'm grateful for that I don't think I yeah. ever want to own a gym again though that just um not really my thing <laughs> yeah so speaking as someone who I've well I don't know if you'd call it a gym it's not a gym as in people can come and go as they please like I opened um I opened mine 10 months ago so October last year um during one of the lockdowns I actually started when we were allowed to train people outdoors so um, I started my first few clients were in, in my carport. So um, 
Yeah, I, and I think it has been one of the biggest learning curves for me, opening my own business and just having this little studio and seeing the growth that can happen really quickly. But also, I feel like one of the biggest learnings for me is knowing when to hold back, knowing when to just, okay, let's let this settle. Let's see how this pans out and then take the next step. So, um, because otherwise for me, I'm just kind of like, yep, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's do the next thing, let's do the next thing. (laughs) So actually knowing when to stop is, is a big learning thing. Oh, it's so big. And that's such a good point because I think that we're really similar from the point of view that we believe that when we work harder, we achieve more like from a business perspective. And like, what if I say no? And it's like, no, actually allowing dust to settle creates growth. Like it's such a, but it goes against our instinct, which is try harder. And, and so like, I can imagine that's exactly how you feel, especially in such an, um, like the, the last 10 months have been the least secure to own a business. Like it's just nothing, everything can be taken away from you like that. Like we've seen it in the last 24 hours. But And so to then be allowed to do stuff and then be holding yourself back just seems so counterintuitive, but it actually is exactly. Yeah. And it's, and it's been that old adage of work, work smarter, not harder, you know, like I kind of had this plan in my head that, opened in in October and I kind of went oh well I'll um I'll just take a take until Christmas and kind of you know just see how things go I'll put up a couple of posts on Facebook just to let people know what I was doing because um you know I've obviously I've left my other job and um so I was like I'll just let people know and then I just start getting these messages coming in and people are going oh um, and, you know, people I hadn't heard from in years were going, yeah, I actually have been thinking about getting back into training. Hey, I'd love to come and train with you. And I'm like, oh, okay. And yeah. so I started taking on all these people and I'm like, within two weeks, my my book was full. And so yeah. then I was like, oh, shit, I'd kind of planned until, you know, until Christmas to just take it a little bit easier, just see how it goes. Yeah. And, then, yeah. and you just go, oh, my God, <laughs> my head was spinning. It's amazing when that happens, though, because then you go, well, at least it's confirmation that I'm doing the right thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, So, um, yeah, I was going to sell my gym um, and then I started a podcast. So it was super random. Sold my gym and I actually I was going through the process. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Jim Jones. Have you heard of Jim Jones? Um, I think I have. Yeah, so basically Jim Jones is like an offshoot of CrossFit, I generally say. I might say, have heard of him from you, though, I think. I reckon I was listening yeah, to one probably. of your podcasts or something one day. Probably. Like, I'm always, like, talking about it. So, like, it's this group in Salt Lake City and they train a lot of the people, like, the movie stars from, like, Wonder Woman and the Marvel movies and stuff. But basically, yeah. like, history is it started off, um, like, in collaboration with Greg Glassman. And then they broke off and Greg Glassman created CrossFit and Mark Twight created Jim Jones. And it's like a real, it's really similar to CrossFit, but without any Olympic lifting or gymnastics and a lot more of a focus on like power endurance and conditioning. And, um, and that's definitely from a training perspective, that's what I lead a lot more towards um, the coordination and skill required for and patience for for like gymnastics and um, weightlifting is kind of, like I really like it, but I don't have the patience for it. 
Um, whereas I think I really like, I'm really want to see those really fast results. Oh, love it. Um, so yeah, and at Jim Jones, um, I went and did my full certification with them over in Salt Lake city. And it was interesting because you had to do a 2k row and a 2k ski and you had to get under eight minutes as a female. And, um, I remember I didn't know how to row or ski at all, like a ski. And, um, there were a whole lot. Yeah. And there was a whole lot of, um, other tests. Like you had to do a double body weight deadlift, um, single rep and, um, like a pull-up test and a mountain test. Anyway, it was like, it was the perfect timing for me because I'd kind of wound up owning my gym and was having that like kind of crisis that was, you know, what, what am I going to do with my life? I thought this was the rest of my life. Blah, 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 blah. So what, what made you think you wanted to sell the gym? What made you think you wanted to get out of it? I wasn't, from a values perspective, I was not at all aligned with my business partners anymore. Um, we'd gone into it being very aligned that I, so I thought, and then um, over the years, it just was super clear to me that, they were they were so happy doing the same thing every day for the rest of their life. They just wanted it to stay exactly the same, do the same thing, like tick the boxes, go home, not worry about work. And I'm just so desperately like growth focused. Like I just, yeah, I just have to keep getting better and I have to have the people around me wanting to keep getting better um, like one of my core values is betterment and I was always like is betterment even a word and then they said it on Game of Thrones in the last season and I was like well <laughs> confirms it obviously a word. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it, it's such like transferability I said before and also betterment and then community they're, they're my core values as, as a person and as a, a business person and uh, it was just so clear in the last 12 months that we didn't align anymore from that perspective. And so it didn't matter to me that the execution of what we were doing each day was similar when I felt like the people I was working with were going to hold me back from what I needed to do and vice versa. Yeah. I was going to frustrate them in what they wanted to do. And so it was a really difficult decision to make. Um, and originally I wanted to buy the gym from them and keep it and grow it as how I wanted it. Um, yeah. But that just that like they didn't want to do it so the best option for me was to sell my share to them and step away and it felt like I've never been through a divorce but it felt like a really bad breakup like a really like I've like my first big heartbreak probably like I've invested like you know and it's not just money it's time and it's energy and it's emotion and it's your your future absolutely when you pour your you pour your heart and soul into something it's yeah. absolutely more than just about money. It's not. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like it just, and I can say now in retrospect, cause it's so long ago, how much of an important learning experience it was. But in that 12 to 24 months after, like there was a part of me that was like, I won't recover from this. Like I've really, like I've really gone all into this and it wasn't, it wasn't good enough. Cause that's what you feel when something hasn't turned out how you want it to. And being a finisher of things to walk away from something when I felt like I wasn't finished, um, yeah. like felt like a failure, but now it's like, no, the, the, the timing was perfect. Like I walked away and I, st- I had so much um, ahead of me and I'd learned so much. And if I'd stayed in it, I might've, you know, lost more confidence or whatever. So yeah. Um, there is a part of me that has a curiosity about owning a facility again. Um, but I think that, you know, Do you in feel the like years, times have changed since then. Yeah. Times have changed and I'm very different. Like I'm a lot more, um, I'm a lot more confident now and I'm a lot more direct in, you know, 
what I think, what I think basically, like I, back then I'm, you know, my default is definitely being agreeable and polite. And now I'm like a lot more outspoken. So I think back then there were a lot of times when I could have spoken up a bit earlier and, you know, had a little bit more way, but I didn't. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like, um, and I feel like that is kind of part of running your own business is you learn, you learn that ability to be able to make a decision for yourself and actually not, not go, oh, well, I think, I think this, but I'm not the owner or, you know, I'm not the person that's running the show. So they can make that decision. Whereas when you are the owner or when you are the person running the show, you're actually forced to make that decision and then you go oh okay I actually can back myself in on these kinds of things I don't have to rely on other people to make the decision so having that confidence in yourself is one of one of the biggest learning curves I reckon definitely agree and what I love now is when somebody asks me something and I don't know the answer I don't have any fear going let me find out for you and like doing the research and finding the answer like I don't have any like oh I have to know the answer right now but I think what I used to feel is let me check with other people because I might be wrong is kind of what was the the narrative in my head was and it's like now it's like no no like somebody's asking me and either I know the answer or I'll find out the answer for them yeah yeah and even um not having that fear of actually going oh I feel like I'm I'm they're gonna think I don't know what I'm talking about if I if you know if I do say I have to go and research that a little bit more or you know that's I've kind of it's it's taken a bit but I've actually lost that fear now I'm more than happy to actually say to someone no I don't know the answer to that so yeah big big learning curves I want to so I want to tell you a bit of a story because you've spoken a couple of times now about the transferability of confidence over into from training into your your other lives and I did the course with you in Warrnambool um, your project row and ski course and um, one of the moments that I remember really vividly is that we were all standing around, you were talking about the ski erg and how when you're at the top of the ski erg and you're about to unleash and you're, you know, you've got all this tension in your body and you're standing nice and tight and you go, and you said the words, you were like, it just makes you feel like a warrior. And I'm like, oh, that is the words that I have, I have used before when lifting weights right so when you're at this when you're at the bottom of the snatch and you've actually caught it and you know you're going to stand it up and you just go yeah I can lift something really heavy (laughs) and I was like that's how I've used to describe that feeling so it was in that moment I kind of went Jane gets me yes (laughs) we get each other we know what we're on about here um and that's what I really try and get across to um, people who I train as well is just that it's not just about, oh, I can lift such and such amount of weight. It's actually about, you know, that confidence that you have to be able to actually pick it up in the first place, to be able to have a go and to be able to go, you know what, I might not push my limits uh, or I might not get as fast as what I was hoping, but I am going to push my limits, you know, so how tell us a little bit about your take around that as well well I absolutely love this and I think what I've seen for a really long time in fitness is that in a lot of fitness 
places, contexts, facilities, yeah. whatever you want to say. I found coaches often want to be the fittest, strongest person in the room. And it's like something that I think is just so important is like is showing the person that you are working with that they can do it. Like I, I love what you just said about getting under the barbell. Like it's such a fear to have a weight over your head. And I think that we underestimate just the feeling of success because we can where people, both of us are people that like measurability and data and progress and all that kind of stuff. But I think that we can forget just how good something can feel like it doesn't have to actually be backed up by anything. So I don't know if that answered your question properly, but I just see so much toxic um, com competition in fitness environments that means the coach still has to be the best in the room. And I think that that doesn't, that you're not the coach if you need to be better than the person that you're training. And I see it all the time, like with the jargon that fitness people use, like putting themselves in a position where people don't even understand them is this way of like, hierarchically separating them from the people that they're training and all the time like everybody thinks that what I do is teach the Rowan ski like I care about the Rowan ski I think they're really fun I like them but all I'm trying to do is pick something in the gym that most people feel a little bit bad on and show them that through enthusiasm and education and excitement and and understanding their impact like the empowerment of doing something that they didn't think they could do makes them able to do anything and so like my whole messaging behind what I teach is I want to show you what you're capable of like I I don't care if I've done that through the ski or the row or for you the snatch like it's so cool it's like you did that with your body so I think that that's always my messaging in a seminar is not like let's get you to go you know faster so you can hit some some sort of number it's let let's get you doing something that you actually doubted yourself on. And then that other thing that you're doubting yourself on, whatever it is, you're going to apply the same learnings from this to that. Yeah. And making yeah. it really clear that that's my shtick. Like I, I go to training sessions, like my hobby is to drop into gyms. I just love it. Sick. <laughs> and I, like, <laughs> I just love seeing how often a trainer will forget that people aren't just there for the workout. Like they're there for the social interaction. They're there for like the um, intellectual release, like the stress yeah, relief. To, to blow off steam at the end of the day or to have that moment of peace at the start of the day. Yeah. 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 Like, and I was in a class the other day and the trainer was telling people to stop talking during the warm up. And it was one of those times where you go, there yeah, wasn't I'm like, any talk more in the warm up. Don't listen to me. <laughs> When I was running the gym up in um, Bright, I was in Myrtleford. I was like, guys, I went on a date last night, like in the warm up or something like that. And everyone would be like, <laughs> like descend into chaos. Like everyone would be like, oh my God. And like, I was running the class, but it was like, it was such um, an important opportunity for people to like blow off steam in conversation. Like if you're just all standing there doing the bloody warm up, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's good for you, but like, yeah. That you get just as much out of that social interaction side. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know and, if I answered the question. Sorry. Yeah, no, no. I'm, as I said, I'm just happy to just see where this like, takes I'll us. Just, I'll just edit this and change the question to what you <laughs> Ooh, we're live. There's no, there's no going back no, now. <laughs> um, what I was, I was going to say um, before we jumped onto that last bit was around 
we, you know, we were talking about sort of tracking data to actually improve. But what a lot of people do get caught up around is that, oh, we're tracking, to, we're tracking weights because the, so then we can check leaderboards or, you know, or then, well, but what if I don't get heavier weight than what I did last time? Or do I have to improve every time I come into the gym? And I think it's, I like to reinforce with people, it's not, the tracking of the data is not just about getting heavier weights each time or it's not about going faster every time. It's about just seeing where you're at. Without that data, you don't really know because every day is going to feel a little bit different. So I think that's really important for people to remember. And, you know, the results might not always be in the numbers either. It might be that, you know, I've got a, a quite a few, not quite a few, I've got a few older people that I train, so talking like 65 plus, and they will actually come in and I have one guy who he's just awesome and the improvement that he has seen since coming to see me has been, you know, he came in one day and goes, I can get my socks on. I can put my socks on by myself. I'm like, awesome. <laughs> that is one of the best things. And, you know, and people coming in and just saying, hey, I can touch my toes. I've never been able to touch my toes or I haven't been able to touch my toes in 10 years. Yeah. You know, things like that yeah. give you just as much satisfaction and are just as worthwhile as people who can lift 50 or 60 kilos over their head or can do, you know, a 6K, row, 2K row time. Like it's... Yeah. Yeah, those kinds of results are that I feel like for me, they're the really heartwarming ones. So true. And it's like, it's building the awareness around that change in your life as well. It doesn't have to. And because I'm like, I love, I really do love data and I love measurability, but I also have a real respect for, you know, the process of improvement is such a cliche but it's not linear like it doesn't just happen like that and it's not every single time that you go up but you might spike right down and spike right up and whatever but like yeah. I love the awareness around hey you know what since we started doing this I've been able to do this thing in my life that's now easier like whether it's you know get out of bed get into bed you know touch my toes tie my shoelace like that's because that's what you want you want fitness to change someone's life not just fitness to change fitness yeah like, Absolutely. So the hour or two that you might spend in the gym is actually to make your life outside the gym easier. If And that's where I do, I reinforce that to people as well, is that if, if what you're doing in the gym means that you're going home and you're sitting on the couch because you're so exhausted for the next 24 hours, then you need to change what you're doing in the gym. Like yeah. What you're doing in the gym should be energizing you and making you making life on the outside of the gym easier. It really so, should. Like that's my true belief. No, I completely agree. I completely and it is nice every so often to do some sort of an event like a half marathon or some sort of something where you do need to land the catch. But I agree with you. Like if that's what how you're feeling. Like, like I had a girl that spoke to me the other day and she'd been to a gym and the trainer had been rude to her. She couldn't do one of the exercises. He gave her a different exercise. She said, well, well I can't actually do that as well. And he's like, well, but you did this other thing. And so like really doubted like the injury that she had. So then she's feeling just like so self-conscious and embarrassed and the whole thing. And afterwards she asked me, she's like, should I speak to him about it? Because I really like, or am I just being sensitive? And I'm like, you should never walk out of a training experience and feel worse about yourself ever Absolutely. like there is such a responsibility that you walk out no matter what 
feeling better and as you said energized like that's why you do it in your life like we're not professional athletes that need some sort of like negative reinforcement you know bloody like beaten down person to be exceptional like we need to be built up and made to feel better and I think that that's absolute minimum standard of the fitness industry yeah absolutely and so and I feel like building relationships with people is actually a a big part of what we do as trainers a lot of the time you know you can you could program the best workouts in the world and the most effective workouts in the world but if you don't have a relationship with people they are not going to come back like you're and you know from your own personal experiences of going to gyms you know if you walk into a gym and nobody says hello to you or, you know, or you don't feel included in what's happening in the gym, you're probably not going to go back. So having that relationship with people is hugely important. Yeah. And yeah. You've, got, you've got a group of ladies that you've been training for years, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. How, so your relationship with them, tell us a little bit about them. Tell us a bit about them and your relationship and how it's evolved and... It is amazing. So I, um, they're my bridesmaids, apparently, self-appointed bridesmaids, um, these women, and they, uh, they've been waiting 15 years for me to get married uh, because I started with them when I was 21. And they, um, they're these group of women who started this uh, group exercise class when their kids were in primary school together. And so I think that they'd already been doing it for 25 years before I started, which is wow. just unbelievable. And I remember I got the job because um, the lady who was currently taking it knew I was teaching aerobics at the local YMCA. So she was like, maybe you want to take this group of women. They have a coffee together after, blah, blah, blah. I have taken it ever since then. And every time I've traveled, I've either gotten a friend to cover it for me or I've done it online in the last couple of years. And um, in the last year called what we do Zumba because it's on Zoom and we do like, it's not actually Zumba, but like <laughs> we do we do mobility at the start, we do some cardio and then they've all got hand weights and stuff when we do strength stuff. But like, I would genuinely say that these women because my mum died when I was little. And so I haven't ever had like a mother really well since I was 11. And these women have really jumped into like being my mothers. Um, they call themselves my mothers and Aww. it's just amazing. And I won't, I won't miss it. Like I won't miss that session every week. And we always have a coffee together at the end. And we used to always go out for a coffee when it was in real life. And now we just make a coffee and sit and chat. But I can't believe like every week, I know when I was in my 20s, I really thought of it like, got to get these women moving, got to get them strong and fit. And they're like, they're those women that like play tennis and go to yoga and walk everywhere and carry their groceries. And they're all professionals. They've all had careers and stuff, but they're just active women. It's not about the fitness for them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not about the they're just like, they are there to see each other and to have a coffee and to ask me what's going on in my love life. And, um, <laughs> but they, it's just been such a beautiful, like it is, it's, it's been a very important reminder for me over this entire period of what the true role of training is in people's lives. And it's, it's yeah. not sets and reps necessarily. It's not the weight you're doing. It's not the, like, it's not any of that stuff. And I think it's really drilled into us 
um, you know, in through our learning, the importance of the program. And I believe that the program needs to be biomechanically correct and sound, yeah. but I believe that it's the experience of your education of the program that is what changes people, not necessarily what's written on the piece of paper. And so these yeah. women are such a testament to that. Like, you know, we'll, we'll chat at the start and I'll see how everyone's actually feeling. And if it's a week that we've just all been put back into the lockdown or something, it's like, it's going to change like what we're actually doing and stuff like that. Just kind of reading the room, but yeah, these women, I just, I love them. And I just think it's pretty amazing that they've been doing it together for like 40 years. So yeah. That is that is really amazing, and testament to you that um, that you are still with them and that you have really yeah. formed that relationship. Like that's no. a that's a big deal. And it's, it's really funny. lovely. It's really lovely. It's really funny as well because I definitely feel like they look at me as like one of their children as well. Like in that they've seen the growth over the, the period. Like it's you know I've gone through all my different phases and. Like, you know, none of them are on Instagram or anything. So none of them really know exactly what I'm doing now, but they know that, you know, I'm a good person and I work hard. And so they just kind of believe in me no matter what I'm doing. And it's just really nice. Yeah, that is really, really nice. Can you can you hear a piano in the background? I was probably like, is someone playing piano? <laughs> That's my daughter. Can you tell Sophie to just hold off playing the piano just for a little bit, please? Thank you. <laughs> she's she's decided that now's a good time to practice for her piano exam that was meant to be uh it was meant to be on Sunday so I don't know when it's going to be now but anyway <laughs> everything's against it I was getting all my reminders in my calendar today about stuff and I was like mm, that's not happening so <laughs> <laughs> oh, you would have you you had I'm gonna I'm gonna fast forward you to the last couple of years and when yeah I know a little bit about COVID and how yep. that's changed you and what has happened because you're you were um, pre-COVID traveling the world with Project Row and Ski, weren't you? So, yep. firstly, tell us a little bit about Project Row and Ski, and then tell us if you would like if you would like to sound very demanding, but um, tell us a little bit about um, how it's changed now and the the highs and lows of that I guess over the last couple of years yeah great question um I so I um after I did all my Jim Jones and stuff and I ran this podcast where I was I would interview people who I believed really loved their lives and my whole it was like a little research project the podcast became a research project on finding people and their recipe for loving their life because I was like that's my real like goal have a life I actually love living and um anyway and so I kind of landed on this really interesting in this really interesting place where as a non-rower I was like everyone in fitness is using rowers and nobody knows how to use them and people who are actually rowers are kind of a little bit offended by it because it's like I mean especially look at CrossFit it's like it's just conditioning in CrossFit right but for rowers rowing is their sport and so there was this real like disconnect between the two communities. And I was like, this group can really help this group, but they're kind of annoyed. So maybe I need to just step in here and take all their knowledge and teach these people over here. So I started Project Row as a, as a business opportunity. I didn't start it as 
um, a, a passion for rowing necessarily. I've always had a passion for helping people and training people and um, having an impact in the world, but I was really like, this is a way that I can do it. And so I did that year that I was running um, the podcast, I, I trained with every single professional rower and rowing coach that was anywhere in the world. And I just learned everything I possibly could. And from there, I started to run workshops. And I still remember in the very beginning, I was charging like 10 bucks, 20 bucks to come to my workshop. And I have a friend and she's a business coach and she came and she was like, Jane, this is so great, but you need to charge more. And I was like, ah! and um, anyway. How hard is that mindset to change? Because I'm, I'm in that boat. I'm getting told I need to charge more. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm okay with that. <laughs> deep down, you genuinely would do it for free. And you genuinely want to just help people. And one of the big things I know as a consumer, I will adhere to something so much better if there's been an energy exchange of money. And so I have to continue to understand the same happens to me. Um, So if people pay to come to what I'm doing, they're always early, they're always prepared, they're paying attention. If I give it to them for free, they usually cancel so it's like just understanding that the exchange of money but it is the hardest like actually doing it like is really really hard um oh no i'll just charge enough just so that i can live like i'm I'm happy with that i don't need any more (laughs) i like created all the content for project row then Everyone that I was running seminars for was like, can you do a ski erg seminar? And I was like, I don't know how to use a ski erg. Like I was like, <laughs> I am convinced this machine is just a really expensive tricep extension machine. Like I just, my triceps just used to blow up. And, um, and then I was like, nobody else is doing this. Like no one, no one in the world is teaching the ski erg at all. I'm like, isn't that crazy? Maybe there is no actual system for the mechanics of it I was like that's crazy like you look at like you know, Olympic lifting weightlifting how many coaches there are worldwide teaching this and I'm like and there's nobody on the ski erg like not even concept two are doing it well, it's um, an Olympic sport isn't it you look at yeah. weightlifting and you go well it's an Olympic sport but then you you know ski erg no nothing exactly and so I was like okay again I was like kind of like business hat on I was like I can do this like um anyway but it was it was really interesting because the first few years then of presenting project scan project row I was seen as really controversial like on that kind of like so there's this like there's this indoor rowing community that really sits just beneath like the surface of fitness and it's the people who train in their garage by themselves on the ergs and it's like and they post you know their erg screens on instagram it's hashtag erg screen and i came into that scene not known by anybody like every other rowing coach that coaches on the ergs was an ex-olympic rower and they're like a six foot five male and i jumped in as not a rower not a male and then also was trying my hand at ski erg and was also um unusual because I was so happy about it and excited and there's so many people in the fitness community who it's like more about like suffering and like you know really serious yeah (laughs) like athlete slash coach mindset and I was really like I just want normal people to feel better on these things not hurt their back and like do the best they can so it was a real like kind of rainbows and unicorns like um I mean look at my fingernails but like um it was a real (laughs) separation of how things were done and it was interesting in that first in those first few years like kind of 2017 2018 um I used to get a lot of hate 
um, on Instagram. I used to have quite a few and it was really funny. They were like always like 40 something year old men. And I was like, why are you hating on me? Um, but it was, it was quite interesting because Concept2 actually invited me to their headquarters in Vermont, in America. So flew me over there and their whole, um, what they wanted me there for was one of the founders was like, there's this Australian girl and she's always on a ski erg and she's always happy and nobody else is always on a ski erg and always happy like who's this girl we got to find out how she's happy to be that's like, there's a there's a photo doing the rounds at the moment of the 1500 meter runner at yeah. the Olympics who has made the final and they're going this is the only 1500 meter rower that's ever smiled oh, 1500 meter runner that's ever smiled it's true yeah exactly because it's like there's such suffering around performance and <laughs> like it's just like wait a second it doesn't have to be that bad does it so that's really good I like that particularly um, not yeah, for the average person it doesn't have to be that bad <laughs> exactly and that was my thing as well like I'm general pop I'm like your your mum and your dad and your next door neighbor like I I think athletes are incredible but I don't have the mental fortitude of an athlete myself um I have the mental fortitude of a normal person trying to do their very best so that's who I'm really drawn to um but yeah so I anyway so that was a real peak for me and after that it was interesting because I did a lot of the um disagreement with me was kind of the context was um understood then like I wasn't trying to stand up there and coach Olympic rowing like that's never what I've wanted to do and so I've found in the last three years like everyone's just supportive of what I do like I mean or they don't say anything so which is really nice because it did really um, put me off a little bit finding you know putting a post up about something and then having like five men write something angry I'd be like I don't even know why you're angry but now I'm kind of like come at me um <laughs> there's that confidence coming back at you exactly it really is but um yeah and I just uh, it was it, it was interesting my first U.S. tour came from all the courses that I'd done to learn to be able to teach this I it created such a network of trainers and coaches and gym owners worldwide that the way that I actually started running seminars in gyms was as simple as writing to them and saying, I really want to do this. Like I'm doing this thing. I really believe in it. I think that your clients and um, athletes will really, um, you know, love this. And that first 18 months of running seminars cost me about 30 grand. Like I was charging, but so little that it didn't even cover my travel costs. And I, it's, it shows me how much patience and belief I actually have in what I was doing that I was willing to be out of pocket for that period of time in order to grow what I've grown. Um, and I do see a lot of people trying to build the seminar model and I see really key aspects of what I've done, not a part of what they're doing. They're not, um, they're not willing to lose money to do it to start with. Um, they're, they're not, they're underestimating the back-end systems of a seminar rather than just the front-end experience. Um, what I take real pride in is how well I prepare whoever's hosting my seminar, how well I actually prepare them for the entire experience and how I actually make it a profitable experience for them as well. Um, it's, I'm really, I think what I'm most proud of that I've created is the, the business side of things, the content, the teaching, the coaching, the relationships, all that stuff is really, you know, I've built that over the years, but in the last three to four years, 
the business side of what I've created, the ability to sustain what I'm doing um, was the hardest for me. And it's probably what I'm the most proud of. Um, but yeah. yeah, the last, you know, I think, I think I've been to over 400 gyms now around the world in the last few years, not the last 18 months, obviously. And um, it was funny because right before COVID, I was in the US delivering seminars and I still remember, um, I think it was like March 12th or something like that. I was sitting in this coffee house in upstate New York and I just remember like I take a notebook with me everywhere and um, at the start of my notebook I always write myself a, a note of where I am at the start of the notebook and then I finish the notebook obviously because I'm a finisher and then I write where I am at the end of the notebook and um, and I was sitting there and I was doing like my daily gratitude and um, stuff and I just remember this moment where I was looking around and I was like I've actually done it like I've built this business to the point where people are and this is probably how you felt like two days after you opened but like <laughs> I built what I do to the point where people are asking me to come I'm not approaching them anymore and they're being flexible to when I can do it and like everything was just falling into place and actually it just manifested itself it was at the point where it was really it was growing by itself and then within three days I was on an emergency flight home because of COVID um <laughs> and the landscape has not looked the same since <laughs> and I've sat in this room for 18 months no <laughs> um but it was pretty interesting because there was you know there were lots of those like oh we've got to pivot and blah 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 we've got to adapt and I literally sat there like I'm not I'm gonna do that word. Like, yeah. no. I was like I'm not pivoting I'm happy with the direction I was going and I'm waiting for the world to get back <laughs> so I could just go back to it and like I reckon it was a good you know six weeks before I went ah. Oh, like, I think I've got to, like, I think I've got to change the direction of how I'm doing stuff. And, and I'm really lucky. I had, you know, my law degree um, in the background that I was, I managed to keep achieving something I was studying, but yeah, in the last 18 months, I've gone from delivering in-person seminars everywhere to doing online seminars, um, which I love, like, I'm amazed. Every time I do an online seminar, I am amazed that I can teach somebody something without touching them. Um, I'm such a toucher. Like, I am, <laughs> I'm, like, hands Just all hand in there. Just squeeze right there. <laughs> it changes everything. And I'm such a need-to-be-touched kind of um, mover as well. Like, if you say to me, you've got to squeeze right there, I'm like, oh, okay, I can do that. But whereas if you explain it to me, I'm like, what's she talking about? Um <laughs> So I do have to work a lot harder to deliver an online seminar because it's just so like, you've got to be so direct. And I have more, I have more of a following internationally than I do in Australia. Yeah. I don't know why, maybe it's my accent. Um, <laughs> I feel like moving from that, moving from in-person to online as well. I feel like it actually takes more confidence. Like you have to, you have to be confident in what you're actually saying yes. so that people on the other end get it. Like it's, 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 it is, it comes back to that confidence in what you do and knowing that this is the way you have to do this for it to work. Absolutely. And that's so true. And I think that's why I think this last 18 months has been incredible for my confidence because like, I, I used to worry that um, like 
uh, uh, you know, it's that whole imposter syndrome thing. But I used to worry that if I was in person, I could kind of like wing it because of my energy and stuff. And it's like, you know, maybe, maybe like, maybe I don't know everything that I'm, you know, I think that I know. And it's like now being online and that being completely taken away, it's like, you have to have a serious toolkit of what you actually yeah. and, and it's a it is it's a whole new skill set and I feel like in some respects it, it can actually weed out um you know who who are actually the quality coaches because quality coaches will be able to transfer themselves online whereas the ones and and you will know as a participant as well if you're online and you're not enjoying a class and you're feeling like you're not getting anything out of it then have a look around because as a quality coach, you'll be able to transfer what you do in person and you'll be able to bring that online because you will be able to explain things better. You will be able to um, tell people what position to move in to be able to achieve whatever stimulus you're after. So, and, you, and you'll still be able to change up movements in terms of you know, if you don't have a particular piece of equipment, hey, you should try this move instead because it's going to give you a similar stimulus or, you know, that's, I feel like it has kind of weeded out the, the quality coaches. Definitely agree. Like I definitely, definitely agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit before we finish up because I feel like we've been going on for I know, a, I'm so quite, sorry. quite a while. I love <laughs> asked me of uh, one question and then you've had to just keep like like bringing me back to it <laughs> I'm sorry no no we're all good um but I I wanted to ask you because I'm a little bit jealous about your um your ambassadorship with Lululemon um because I think we all want to be ambassadors for Lululemon because you put on a pair of their tights and you feel really good. Like you feel like you look good. Um, you know, they're good quality. You know, they're not going to fall down when you're doing a workout. So you tell us a little bit about how you actually came to be an ambassador for Lulu and what it means to you. It's such, it's so good. So I, um, I actually became an ambassador for Lulu five years ago, which is usually you're an ambassador for two years. And I was really, really lucky because at the end of my two years, they were changing the structure of the ambassador program. So they actually asked me to be an ambassador for another two years. And then came to the end of that year and they were like, well, because of COVID, we're giving everyone another year. And I was, well, not everyone, they gave a lot of people another year. So I have been so lucky. I, um, I think I have, what I have learned from that from that relationship and from the company structure of Lululemon and the way that they actually, um, cause they're a purpose-driven um, business and brand. And I've learned so much about, you can still be purpose-driven and be profitable. Like you yeah. don't always have to, I think there's a real part of me that thinks that everything I need to do is altruistic and um, that kind of thing to be impactful. And it, it's not, I, I, I've learned that in the last you know, 12 to 18 to 24 months. And that's what they are. Like they're, you're right. Their clothes make you feel better about your body. They actually do straight away. And they make you feel better about whatever you're doing in them. And it's like, I'll pay whatever for that because that's your life is how you feel like and what you're doing and what you're able to do. Like it's not because you're at home because you don't feel good. Um, so I think that what I've learned from Lululemon is a real comfort in, 
business progression, which is also impactful and purpose-driven. Um, I also absolutely love, like, I love the innovation of this. Like, I love their story and the innovation. Like, I love, I'm so proud that what I've created, particularly with Project Ski, was my innovation. It was my path no one else had been doing it beforehand and I jumped into their shoes like I'm the person who's come out and created this and which is kind of crazy like it's you, you don't think that crazy. yeah yeah and it is and it's like and the story of Lululemon is really similar it's like the guy who founded Lululemon was in yoga and he noticed that you know he was a designer for a surf brand and he noticed that all these women were constantly adjusting their tights and they didn't have anything comfortable to wear or that actually flattered and he was like wait a second there's like there's a market for this and he revolutionized fashion for you know women like we now athleisure is now like a look and yeah i remember <laughs> i remember i moved to bright 6 months ago i was living up in the mountains for 6 months and when i got there i was like oh my God, everyone wears jeans on the weekend. Like everyone, like when they wear <laughs> jeans. And I remember saying to my best friend, like, I'm going to have to buy jeans, like, and wear more. <laughs> and he was like, Jane, you're like an ambassador because you're influential. Just like get about town in your gym clothes and everybody else will start doing it. And I was like, lol, as if I'm like a fashion, like I am an ambassador, but nobody copies my fashion. Anyway, I was so proud that six months later when I left the town, the amount of people out and about in like exercise, <laughs> where I'm like, that was me. Obviously it's not just me. Because like, <laughs> the truth is I just love wearing exercise clothes. I love being in a sports bra and knowing that I can run down the street or up the stairs if I want to. <laughs> You're ready at any moment you can go. <laughs> uh, I had a similar, I had a similar conversation with a friend not that long ago where we were talking about jeans and I, I said, oh, yeah, I don't think I've worn jeans for a while. Yeah. Definitely haven't bought them in about five years. Oh, <laughs> and she was like, what? I know. I know. Like, yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah, no, I just live in tights. Oh, <laughs> you can dress oh. them up. You can dress them down. You can, you can do what you like. <laughs> like I have, like, it's really funny. I have, like, my tights for different occasions. And, like, I have just recently gotten gotten into like on on a dating app so I have actually gone on a few dates and it's been really funny because I, I was engaged a few years ago and then after that didn't work I was absolutely like sworn off I was like I am uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm done yeah but I've realized that it's just it's the same kind of methodology that we're constantly asking from our clients like put yourself in an uncomfortable position to make your life better and I'm not saying that everyone in a relationship is happier but I was definitely afraid and I was like, okay, if I'm afraid of this sphere of life, I need to become unafraid of it. Anyway, it's funny. I went on a date on Sunday and it was a walking coffee date. And um, so now I have a pair of leggings that are now my date leggings, according date to leggings. my friends. Like, yeah, wear date leggings. You know, the ones that are like, they look, look kind of less sporty. And I'm like, oh my God, spoken by true exercise people. <laughs> pair of leggings that are now can be classified as date leggings um, <laughs> yeah it's it the lululemon ambassadorship has been such an incredible opportunity they sent me to um whistler in uh, canada a few years ago oh it was yeah it was 2019 it was the last time they did it um because of covid and 
I got to um, spend a week with ambassadors from all around the world. And like some of these people, like the first guy I met, um, he runs a yoga school within uh, um, Alaska's highest security prisons for men. Oh, and he runs wow. a yoga school. Yeah. He used to just teach yoga and meditation and he no- they noticed such- He would be into yoga. <laughs> exactly like when he first started everyone like all the prisoners were like no and then it became like there was like a massive waiting list and people couldn't get in and so they thought okay well how can we have a self-sustaining program we'll we'll qualify some of the prisoners to run the program and it's just the change in like overall behavior and attitude and just the culture within these prisons has just been remarkable and he was the first person I met and I was like oh my god like I remember sitting there and being like, and he's like, "What do you do?" And I'm like, "I teach her on skate." Like I was like, "Just let's not talk about me." Like you're not um, just like you're not. I just teach everyone to ski. You've actually taught some really um, high level athletes how to ski. Yep. Yeah, like you taught Tia. Yeah. Yeah. So like Tia's five um, CrossFit open wins, like part of it. They're yours. You know? <laughs> <She> is- <laughs> Honestly, she was the easiest person in the whole world to teach. Um, <laughs> he is such an incredible person and athlete. Like, incredible. Like, I just am in complete awe of her. I think she's just oh. such a remarkable human being. And I just think we're in such an exciting era where a female can be that. Like, she and is... And be so dominant at what she's doing. Totally. And, like... I, I just think it's, we are, the world has changed so much since I've been a part of fitness. Like the, the fact that I got into fitness because I wanted to be skinny um, to now it's like the general consensus is look at what women can do. Like yeah. this is amazing. Like, and we're a part of that, which I think is really great, but it's like, and this real understanding of empowerment and confidence and like warrior like it's like being a warrior and yeah. and dur- durability like it's just we're in such an exciting era and I think it can only keep improving yeah yeah and I I love it the most and I don't hear it quite as much as what I did when I first started training people um and was in the fitness space but I I do love it when people come into me and they go oh i you know, I just want to look toned and I don't want to seem really bulky. So I don't want to lift a lot of weights or, and I, I just kind of go, you know what, you're going to lift weights and you're going to love it. And yeah. I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to help you do that. And you're going yeah. to be really confident. And <laughs> but uh, well, that's what I'm thinking to myself. I'm not necessarily saying that straight, like, straight mm, to them, straight out, yeah. but, <laughs> but like, even that landscape has changed a little bit like people when we're as women not coming into gyms and saying that sort of thing as much anymore and I just I actually love that I feel like that's been a huge step for the fitness industry same 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 I completely agree with you because that was really like in that whole era aerobics era it was really like toning and tummy hips and thighs for women and like this kind of like understanding that women had to do like you know different you know we couldn't do heavy weights because then we'd look like a man or whatever that but like yeah. I bloody like I'm so excited when someone's like oh my god look at your arms and I'm like what these are like you know like I like I love it like I really like I want I want to be strong like I I because I'm like that means I can do stuff yeah absolutely 
it means I can go out and chop wood. Exactly. <laughs> my husband's been going to me, I need to teach you how to use a chainsaw. And I'm going, no, I'm not that interested. No, I'll just lift the logs of wood up. I don't need the chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Chainsaws are scary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I've got one last question for you. If you think back, so now that we've kind of discussed your your life story and your your yeah. circle of life, if you think back 10, 20, 30 years ago, is life how you had planned it and how or how not? And then what would you do? Because we often focus on, oh, what would be something that you, you know, that you kind of regret or that you didn't do? What would you do a hundred times over again? Oh, great question. Um I definitely spent time over the past, I would say, 15 to 20 years stressing that I'd wasted time. So um, I absolutely believe, like, I can't believe I'm 36. Like, I think I've brought up my age maybe 10 times today because I genuinely can't believe that this has happened. But then I look back on all these things and I go, I've done so much. But I did have a lot of fretting that I was wasting my time. The things I would do 100% over um, is, this sounds, is take the risk. I, there were so many times I think I didn't take the risk and I waited. Um, and every time I took the risk, like it's either a story because it was a complete stuff up or it was a success. And I am trying so hard these days to change my mindset that do the thing, like just do it. Like it actually, and it's, it is a cliche and, but I am, I'm a real I am very spontaneous, but I'm a real planner. Like I'm strategic and I like to plan and set everything out and I've got very good attention to detail. But now I'm just kind of like, you know what? Why not like do it? So I think with everything I've done that's turned out to not be the direction I'm going anymore, I would, I would, do, that, I would do that again a hundred times because that's what's taught me um, what I'm doing. Like owning some, the- Some of your greatest lessons. Yeah. Um, like they just are like so I would a hundred times over do the thing like just go for it um and it's I'm glad you asked me that question because now it's like a really good reminder that that's what I've got to do moving forward like (laughs) not hesitate (laughs) yeah and I think um you know I've come to realize how actually how amazing it is actually when you go all right I'm heading for this door but then that hasn't worked out it's amazing what other doors actually appear or what other doors open for you and if you didn't decide to take that risk and head for that door you wouldn't have seen those other doors you know like it's just I guess being open to that opportunity yeah yeah and that's something that backing ourselves in we can do that Like I remember the day that I sat down and wrote to all the gyms and I wrote them all a personal email, like asking to go and visit and run the seminar. And I remember how long I actually procrastinated on doing that. And it's like, I think that that was single-handedly the biggest step in my career because after that once they'd said yes that was easy like I booked flights I went um but it was actually putting myself out there and asking for it like a hundred thousand times over I'd do that again because the worst thing that's going to happen is somebody says no and if they say no in a nice way no harm done if they say no in a rude way then you're like oh cool okay well I guess we're not aligned um yeah, yeah. But I didn't really want to work there anyway <laughs> exactly 
and and if you do have a bad experience and you feel rejected then you feel rejected but it's not the end of the world so like a hundred times over like I would ask what I want again yeah love it love it um all right we have been chatting a long time (laughs) so um I just want to thank you so much you've been very generous with your time today and um we've spoken about a lot of things and um I hope that anyone who's watching has actually gotten a lot out of it and I know I've got a lot out of it as I do every time I'm in the the aura that is Jane Erbecker so (laughs) um thank you thank you so much and uh yeah we will I'm sure meet again someday (laughs) I'm planning on a fun conversation no, pleasure absolute pleasure thanks jane and i'll just press